Spirit Radio Podcasts. Well, there was a recent publication from the Law Reform Commission. It was out last week and it was looking at various issues. It was a discussion paper and one of the things that it was looking at was this idea of honest belief as a full defence to rape. So what is that all about and what is the current law at the moment and is what's contained within this publication either good suggestions or bad suggestions? Well, on the line to give us a little bit more of a picture on this, we've Nolene Blackwell, who's the CEO of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. Nolene, thanks so much for joining us on the programme. Good morning, Wendy. Thanks for inviting me. So tell us a little bit about this publication then, Nolene. All right. So last year, there was um, a big piece of legislation passed which looked at a whole lot of sexual offences and also included in that legislation a definition of consent. And it it set out that sexual activity must be voluntary and consent must be freely and voluntarily given. So that was there. And now there are a whole lot of little incongruities in the law. And one of them is this about honest belief. So the Law Reform Commission took this away and took a look at it and have issued a discussion paper talking about the law as it stands in Ireland right now and what the alternatives might be and asking people to, to make their submissions as to whether it, should, it would be better. So maybe if I could just talk a little bit about the basis of this, Wendy. So first of all, This is in a situation where somebody is accused of the crime of rape and they go in um, and they are entitled to make whatever defences they can to that crime. So the complainant gives the evidence, says, I didn't consent to the sexual activity, I didn't consent to the sexual intercourse. And, and, and that is there, that's the prosecution's case, that there was no consent, and if there was no consent, it must be rape. Well, one of the defences that the accused can bring up is the defence that he was mistaken, and he thought that, in fact, the, the person making the complaint was consenting. And, and, and what the jury has to look at is whether they, A, believe him, that he was mistaken, and B, what was the nature of that belief? And I'm going to park rape just for a second and take you to a different example. If you and I are on the same flight from somewhere or other, and we have, and we're standing at the carousel in the airport waiting to pick up our bags, and I pick up your bag, which looks like my own, and take it away with me, um, I am not going to be accused of stealing your bag so long as I reasonably believed it was my own and you get left with my bag. So in those, in, that's a case where there's a mistake. I've made a mistake and it is not going to be a crime. But if I take away a bag that doesn't look like mine from the carousel, but one that looks much better and that I know has expensive stuff in it, well then that's not a reasonable mistake and I will be, and then I will have committed a crime. So like in rape, there are two standards about mistake. One is, was it honest? Was my mistake an honest one? And then if it was an honest one, was it reasonable? Or could it be totally unreasonable? I might still have an honest belief, which is totally bizarre. And currently our law is that if someone is charged with rape, so long as they honestly believe that the other person was consenting, then it doesn't matter how unreasonable that belief is. They don't have to take any account of anything else if they honestly but mistakenly believed that 
uh, the other person was consenting, then they will be acquitted and walk straight out of the courtroom without having committed any offence. We would say that an option put forward in this paper is a better standard. Of course, if someone is mistaken about the nature of the activity, then they must be able to make that defence. But it must be reasonable. A jury looking at it must say, yes, I could see how that person reasonably believed that the other person was consenting because of the other person's actions or lack of them, because of the other person's words or lack of them. So the standard of mistaken belief is honest, reasonable belief in the UK. And in Ireland, it's honest belief, no matter how unreasonable that belief is. And that doesn't tie in with the law as it stands right now. If sex without consent is rape, which it is in law, then you have to have you have to have other defences that line up with that so that whoever is engaging in the sexual activity must have some element of wit or some element of common sense about their mistake. I think, Nolene, probably a lot of people, especially when you're given the examples there, would find it quite uh, troubling to kind of think that there are situations where, you know, when it comes to sex, you think it's it's pretty plain. Yes means yes and no means no. And, you know, there's been so much discussion about education around consent. And is alcohol playing a huge role here just in terms of um, in, in cases like that, those blurred lines yeah. where I, we were reading a report recently chatting to um, students in universities where they were saying that one in five believed that if both parties were drunk that there was no way that the man could be accused of sexual assault or rape and that they strongly agreed that even if both parties again are both really intoxicated that it's still consent but as you were explaining consent to me and and you know you're talking about freely and voluntarily now and they were asked about after uh, uh, 15 pints I think would would yeah. That still be consent now. I think that for a lot of people, certainly myself, if if I had had that much to drink, um, maybe I could consent. But whether it would be free or not, I'm not quite so yeah. sure because I don't think I would be compus mentis. Yeah, and uh, exactly, exactly. And and the law that was passed last year, setting out consent, said consent must be free and voluntary uh, to all sexual activity. And then it goes on to say, in the following circumstances, it will be deemed not to be free and voluntary. And one of the circumstances is where one or both, where, where a person is so incapacitated by, by drink or drugs that they, they can't give consent. And actually the Law Reform Commission is quite technical in some ways and I'm, I'm conscious that, I'm, you know, that I may not be as clear as I should be in this very technical area of law. But the, the Law Reform Commission is saying we all know that drink or drugs are no excuse and will not be uh, recognised as a defence in a court of law. But they're saying, do we need to write this down in black and white and law? And we will probably be going back to them during this consultation saying, yes, please do write it down in law because you'd be surprised at the numbers of people who think that drink and drugs excuse at non-voluntary sex or sex with somebody who's asleep, somebody who's incapacitated is not. It, it's an offence. It's rape if, if sexual intercourse takes place. But we have an awful lot of work to do. But to remind everybody, again, it's, I think those surveys are important because it shows the number of people 
who really don't understand the nature of consent yet. And so, of course, this paper is important if it will help us to bring our law in line with a a more reasonable approach to consent. That's what we hope that will happen, that that they will recommend a reasonable approach rather than a bizarre approach, an unreasonable approach, which is the current way. In terms of of the current situation, Nolene, I mean, if you you kind of analyse a lot of... Uh, convictions, for example, in rape cases, I would argue, and I think many would agree, that so often the sentences seem to be very, very lenient. And are we really taking the issue seriously enough in law in this country, do you think? Uh, and now there's another hobby horse of, of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. And indeed, of anyone working with the victims of rape and other sexual offences is the, the uncertainty about our sentencing system. Because actually, the sentences for rape have been going up, as far as we know, from the little bits of research that have been done. They have been going up over years, but some of them look extraordinarily lenient. Um, and then we, we, it's very hard to know what the right sentences are because we haven't got two things we need. One, we need a database. There isn't enough information out there about how various judges in various courts are sentencing. There are some general guidelines set down by the courts over the years, but the way judges interpret them is definitely, um, there's a huge range of behaviour. And so one of the things that's absolutely essential that we start building up is a database of what people are actually sentencing. What are the factors taken into account? What are the things that will reduce the sentence? What will increase it? And we need new sentencing guidelines as well. Um, And so we will be pushing this as well, because as you say, it's not about all being in the court. Uh, It's about how, how... cases are investigated first of all by the Gardaí. Uh, Some of those are brilliant at doing their work, some of them are not and the ones that are not mean that some cases are not reported. Then going through the system, if you don't fix the little things like honest unreasonable belief in the court system, then victims won't report and if victims don't report and if sentencing isn't clearer, then people will continue to abuse their power and their relationships with others in order to have non-consensual sexual activity. And that's wrong. We're trying in our society to get to a more civilised place, a place where people are still, of course, sexual activity is one of the great joys of life, but that people are having healthier relationships and that God's... That wouldn't be brilliant if in 10 years' time another survey of those students came up with recognising that you do not have sex with someone who is too drunk or too drugged in order to be able to freely and voluntarily consent. Nolene, just one final question for you because you touched on it there, which is just the issue of reporting these crimes in the first place. I read a figure recently saying that sexual assault on women was up 15% and I wondered, is this because there's more sexual assaults happening or there's just more that are being reported now that women are, are not remaining silent anymore? Yeah, so it's very, very hard to know because classically this whole area is massively underreported. The best information we have is that if one in ten people report, that's as much as we have. And we haven't been keeping track of it. Our Central Statistics Office gathers Garda information. It has had to revise it recently. But again, we don't know exactly how many people are reporting. In order to identify the level of sexual abuse going on in a society, you have 
to survey it in a different way. And last Christmas, the Taoiseach promised that we would get an, the last decent survey done on this in Ireland was in 2002. And the Taoiseach and the Minister for Justice promised another survey just before last Christmas. They uh, did a scoping document on it, which reported in April. And we're anxiously waiting for the government to say we will start that survey again because it's the only way to do it. Like an awful lot of sexual violence isn't reported because people don't... Well, some people would be afraid of reprisals if they reported it. Uh, Some people won't go through the system because they fear what the system will bring bring to them. And then some people don't report because they simply don't know that they can. So you need to survey it differently. And uh, we're hoping that that survey will come up. And then it will give some context to these various surveys because... Undoubtedly, every single time that the Garda figures come out, there's an increase in the number of people reporting sexual offences. But it's very hard to know. They don't break it down between men and women, between young people and old people. Um, so we, we, so, and we don't know whether people are more ready to report now. We guess they are, that maybe some people are reporting now what they would not have reported before. And, and that's good if it's happening. But if sexual violence is increasing, and that may be part of it, then that's a problem. Nolene, thanks so much for joining us on the programme today to discuss some of those very important issues. That was Nolene Blackwell. She's the CEO of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. And for anybody listening at the moment that would like to reach out to the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre, there's a few ways that you can get in touch on their website, which is drcc.ie. And very important also to note their national 24-hour helpline, which is 1-800-77-8888. I'll give that number again for the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. That's one 800 Thanks for listening to our Spirit Radio podcast. Don't miss out. Subscribe today. Find out how at spiritradio.ie.